Life by Divine with Sue DeMay fosters deep healing and profound awakenings as she guides you to hear, answer, and trust the highest calling of your heart. Your host and sacred guide is global impact visionary leader Sue DeMay, a best-selling author, international speaker, and gifted intuitive healer who challenges all of us to shift from life by default or even life by design to truly living life by divine. And now, here is Sue DeMay. Welcome to the show. It's an honor to be here once again. And um, I'm grateful for those that feel a heart yes to join me each week, whether you're joining live or whether you're listening to the replay, going to the podcast platforms and downloading your favorite episodes or even downloading all of the episodes and using them, you know, from your device to inspire you and empower you throughout the week. So I know right now, we are still living in very uncertain times and we've always really been living in uncertain times, but it feels more in your face uncertain. And I know a lot of people are feeling the emotional charge that's in the air. They're witnessing the emotional charge that's in the air. So today I wanted to talk about navigating our emotions in an emotionally charged world. And just helping to give you some tools and some tricks and different things that I've used over the years and that I continue to use. Uh, some of the tools I teach in the Intuition Academy or in my Inner Circle member group. And what I'm finding is you're going to end up having certain tools that really resonate and really work for you. And I'm going to encourage you to take those tools and run with them, use them, integrate them, practice them. And the more you practice, the more natural they become and the more easier it is to use them or to remember to use them. And those tools that don't really resonate, just let them go for now. And you may end up coming back to an episode and listening to it again, or you may end up having them downloaded on your device and suddenly drawn to an episode you hadn't listened to before. And it's, it's in those times where something that really creates this kind of like yes feeling inside or it's a feeling of a pang or a calling toward or a deep curiosity around or an intriguing wonderment, a sense of wonderment around. Those are the tools. Those are the insights. Those are the aha moments. Those are the potential learnings and teachings that, that somewhere inside of you is saying yes to. And those are the ones I want you to follow. Those are the ones I want you to be curious about and, and continue to explore. Ones that don't really resonate, they're kind of like water off a duck's back. You can take it or leave it. Instead of forcing those tools and trying them out, just let them go. Let them go for now and they may come back later. It's really about trusting your intuition when you're developing your intuition or remembering how to use your intuition because we're all intuitive beings. We are born intuitive. We're programmed to judge. We're programmed to forget. We're programmed to try and control a world that's uncontrollable. Our life is, is, is full of things that are out of our control. And the more we try to control, the more we struggle, the more we, we basically suffer in trying to grasp onto control. 
in a world that's uncontrollable. When we shift out of trying to control, we can move into trust. We can trust that you know, our divine nature will guide us, the divinity will guide us and lead us and direct us. Our heart knows the way. There's a knowing within us that goes far greater, far farther, way farther than, than any concept in the mind. There's a knowing in our heart that can guide us and lead us in every moment, with every situation, no matter how emotionally charged it is, whether it's emotionally charged for us or the other person. We have our internal GPS. We have our internal guidance system. We're all born with it. And the way it presents itself or the way we get information can differ from one person to the next, but we all have access to it. Our own unique guidance system, which sometimes overlaps and looks similar to others. And sometimes it's very unique the way we get our messages. The key is to be able to open ourselves up to receive the messages. The key is to remove all the blocks to our intuition. It's interesting. I just had a flash of, I, I often do healing when I'm sleeping. I work with my inner circle members or family members. I find myself kind of doing soul travel, what I call soul travel. And, or people will come and visit me in my dreams and ask me questions. And these are usually my clients or those that I'm working with my members. And I had one of my members come last night and just ask me about unblocking their intuition. How can they unblock their intuition? So we were sitting and having a conversation and it's, it comes in like it's a dream. It's kind of like a dream state. In my human experience, it feels like a dream state, but really it's just my soul sitting down with their spirit and having a conversation. And I was literally like talking to them specifically about what they need to do in order to unblock their intuitive channel. It's like opening your intuitive heart. It's, it's in order to do that, we actually have to unwind, unlearn, unprogram, undo. It's a whole process of unschooling. And when we start to undo things and unwind, become very curious about our process, we're actually able to take emotions and use them as part of our healing process and use them as part of recognizing, okay, where are some of my blocks? Where are some of my, my triggers that are actually influencing or impacting my ability to tap into my internal guidance system? So it becomes a process of letting go, feeling, sensing, experiencing in order to unwind and undo all the programming that we've had because our program mind is a limited mind. Our heart is unlimited. Our heart has an infinite connection to an infinite source. But it's our mind that actually gets in the way. It's our programming. And often we can have beliefs and thoughts that get in the way and then we can have emotions that actually block our ability to trust our intuition. So that's what I wanna talk about today is looking at an emotionally charged world, there's a lot of emotions in the air right now, and people are quick to judge, they're quick to attack, they're quick to react, they're quick to retreat, 
there's, they're quick to fight to be right. There is a lot going on in the world right now. And again, on a surface level, it appears that we're all kind of feeling separated. But really what's happening is there's this illusion of separation. There's this triggers and charges that are happening within these pockets of unification. So it looks like one side against the other or they against us or them against them. He said, she said, there's a lot of that happening right now. So there's this illusion of separation on a human level. It looks like there's one area, one people, one group of people attacking another. And if you have a different opinion of them, they're so emotionally charged about it that they're quick to defend or they're quick to attack or they're quick to justify. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's, that's a normal part of it. And at the same time, we can actually recognize from more of a soul perspective, if we look down on a global perspective of what's going on, there are these pockets of unification. There's these pockets of people coming together, joining in, in a common cause or a shared cause. Now, the challenge is if you, even if you're neutral, and you mention something that they're emotionally charged about, they're going to be quick to jump. Not everybody, but a lot of people are right now quick to jump. And it's it, it, as, a, as a mostly trying to stay neutral person, I, I'm finding it very fascinating to watch, but at the same time, it can be very challenging to watch. It can be very disheartening to watch at times as well, depending on who I'm sitting down with. So if I'm sitting down with ego and I'm looking through the lens of fear and I'm looking through the lens of ego's perception of what's going on, then I'll be disheartened. Then I'll be really triggered. Then I'll be very emotionally charged along with everyone else. When I can step back and remove myself from that filter of the ego and make a conscious choice to sit down with spirit as my guide or the divine as my guide and looking through the lens more of, the, of from that perspective, then I actually see a very different world. And that's, that's where, when I talk about being a global impact visionary leader, it's, it's where I'm choosing to see the world through and how I'm choosing to open my mind to other perspectives that allows me to be the visionary. It allows me to see and sense and know things that are going on beyond the human experience. So I can kind of remove myself a little bit and step back and up and back a little bit and have this bird's eye view or the soul's eye view and see there's actually a level of perfection that's playing out right now. Even though it looks like chaos on some level, there is actually an orchestration, a divine orchestration happening right now. As much as there's a divine orchestration happening on a soul view level, on a human level, it looks messy. It looks ugly. It looks even emotionally crazy sometimes. So energetically charged with emotions. And knowing when to speak up and discerning when to keep your mouth shut and button your lips 
is the practice of divine discernment. There's going to be times where you'll be guided to stand up and speak about something. You'll, you'll be guided actually to, to, to the, with the perception of taking a side. And it's not about opposing or fighting against. It's about standing solid in the truth as it is presented to you in that moment. At the same time, we can stand in the truth as it's presented to us in that moment without attachment to that truth. We can be open to all perspectives, and yet we can stand in the understanding of the truth we are holding. So there's a real fine dance right now happening. And we're dancing with the emotions, with our own emotions, and we're dancing with the emotional charge that's in the air worldwide right now. There is not one person that is immune to this experience. And there are definitely individuals who know how to navigate other people's emotions and know how to navigate their own emotions. I, I have done this work for, for many, many years, over 25 years, and I've I've discovered how to navigate my own emotions and I've discovered how to navigate other people's emotions. I'm actually very intuitive. So I'm actually intuitively able to guide other people's emotions or navigate and support them. But even in that, there's times where people are so emotionally charged and they're so heels dug in that they're not even interested in hearing what anybody else has to say. Even if, you know, sometimes even if you agree with them, they don't want to hear it because they're so in, in this place of defense. We are feeling the emotional charge. And if we don't, if we are confused by it and we don't find a way to navigate it for ourselves, we will get caught up in it. We will get in, in that whirlwind of it and be dragged down into the wormhole of it. And in that wormhole of it, we will sit in uncertainty. We will sit in confusion. We will sit in that resistance or defense or attack or reactive kind of phase. Instead of being the compassionate witness, observing, being responsive, being able to respond as opposed to react, we, we won't be, we'd be so emotionally charged that we're caught up in it and we can't discern between what's ours and what's theirs or what's our emotions and what's other people's emotions. So we get caught up in this whirlwind. So the key is to pause and take a step back. And that's what I did. That's what I've been doing a lot. And that's what I did recently. I, I was guided last week to, I, I watched a video and I wasn't, I, I haven't been watching videos that are controversial and stuff like that, I, or the conspiracy stuff. I, I just wasn't guided to them. I just wasn't guided to them. I wasn't ignoring them. I was observing and seeing when things come up. But recently, I kind of felt this nudge toward it. So I watched this video, and it actually really surprised me. The content really surprised me. And I felt a nudge to share it, so I shared it on Facebook. And I didn't say anything. I kind of remained neutral. And the only words I shared, there was only a few words. And the, the words were things that make you go, hmm, as in, hmm, that's interesting. Hmm, what is that about? Hmm, where do we go with this? What's true? What's not true about this? So I was just really in this place of inquiry. 
around it. And it suddenly, like I, I got off Facebook and went back on about 10 minutes later and it was like my, my feed kind of blew up with comments and, and there was a lot of people that were kind of respectful and kind of sharing their opinions and or other, other resources or other videos and things like that. Oh, if you want to go deeper into this, this isn't. And then there was a few that were, I could feel they're getting like all angst and, and anxious about it and ready to attack. And then there was I, one, one friend that I knew for a long time or one, somebody I knew from high school unfriended me. And I was like, wow, it's really like this, this crazy battlefield that just like you put one thing out and everybody jumps. And in that moment, I could feel this like anxiety rising up in me. So I, I paused and tuned in. And it felt familiar, not familiar in the way of like present moment, but familiar as in the way of history and past. So I paused and felt into it and I could feel this emotional charge and I could feel this anxiety rising up in me. And I could, it felt like I had this experience and all of a sudden this visceral response in my body. So my whole body started to vibrate with this uncontrollable anxiety. And it wasn't really about the post, the post triggered the leftovers that that trigger within me so it kind of was the mirror to point to what was left over within me and i knew that but at the same time this post was creating all of this chaos on my feed and i felt like i just needed to to do something about it so i tuned into my heart am i to leave this post or am i to delete it and i got very clear guidance to delete it so i deleted the post and I posted about it saying, I, you know, this is why I deleted it. And then I just had this beautiful message come through that just was more neutral and kind of sharing people that, you know, we really need to look at knowledge versus knowing we need to allow, you know, our, we can gather knowledge and gather information in the world, but really intuitively we need to make a decision, what feels right for us and what resonates, what doesn't, that sort of thing. I can't remember the exact words, but that was the gist of it. So I'd let it go, but the anxiety, I didn't let go. I couldn't let go. Of it. And I started to tune into it. I know it wasn't, again, it, I'm, we're never upset for the reason we think. That's one of my favorite quotes from A Course in Miracles. So I was willing to look at it. I was willing to look at it from another perspective. The thing with the ego, the ego will project things out and go, okay, it was about that post and that's the problem and the conspiracy and this and that and everybody's upset with you or whatever it is. The ego would easily take that and run with it and create this whole story of why I felt anxiety. But I knew deep down inside that there was something underneath that was actually the real true trigger. So when I tuned into it, I could feel this PTSD kind of experience, post-traumatic stress disorder. And in the, last, in the six months from September to February, I mentioned, I talked to you guys about how I was going through and kind of challenging some people that were basically mm, lies, deceit, corruption, all that kind of stuff down in Turks and Caicos. And it created a lot of anxiety for me. Even though I was managing the anxiety through that time, through that six months, it created a lot of anxiety for me because it was a constant battlefield and it was a constant attack on my character. And I was trying to expose the truth and they were so convincing. Like if, if I you know, said something that they were doing, they would turn around and say that I was doing that. So it was really interesting. It was really hard to actually expose the conspiracy 
because they were conspiring to make me and the other people that were whistleblowers look like the bad guys, look like we were the ones trying to steal the money. We were the ones trying to deceive. So it was really interesting to all of a sudden feel that, that, that battlefield again and feel that trigger. So I had to process my anxiety, I had to process what I was feeling. And because of my health stuff right now, I wanted to stay, I want to stay as best I can in that restful kind of calm state. So I took down the post and I went off Facebook and I turned inward. I started to feel the emotions that were rising up. I started to create some space for them. I started to become curious about them. I was watching my thoughts that went along with them. So it was a whole process of kind of moving through different layers and different angles to get in underneath it. The challenge is right now, because it looks, the external environment looks so big and charged and, and crazy and upside down and sideways that we'll focus on that. And, and the illusion is if those things will change, I will feel better. But that's not the truth because if there was no anxiety for me or no anxiety invoking situations on my external environment, it doesn't mean that I didn't still have that anxiety left over within me. So what that external situation did was point to what's left over within me. It bumped up against my own leftovers. And when I was able to kind of go in and explore it, I started to unravel a huge rat's nest. It had nothing to do. And I, it's interesting with this Facebook thing, because I'm sharing it, kind of trying to give people an understanding of some different perspectives. I shared it in my blessing, my email blessing that I sent out, which is a lesson plus a blessing. And when I sent it out, a couple people were trying to take care of me. And I'm like, I'm good. I, I'm processing this. I'm moving through it. I'm just sharing in a way to help empower other people. So, and I'm still always in my process with everything because I'm always doing my heart work. I'm always looking at what's going on in my life and what do I need to heal and where are my triggers? So anytime we are emotionally charged about something, anytime we feel a pang, anytime we feel hit by something, anything that kind of bumps up into something within us, whether it's mental, emotional, or spiritual, or energetic, or otherwise, even physical, we have a physical unease and we don't know what it's about. Those are triggers. And those are actually friends pointing to what's left over inside of you. So a trigger is actually a friend going, okay, there's something inside of you that needs to heal. There's a leftover. There's some density. There's some emotion. There's some unfelt emotion. There's some unresolved thoughts or beliefs. There's things that are actually no longer serving you that you need to clear. Whatever it is, the triggers are pointing to it for you. And as long as the ego has us focused on what's going on in the outside, we'll never heal it because we just want the outside to be resolved. And when the outside is resolved, then we feel better temporarily. But we still have that leftover density within us. So when I was willing to go and look at the the trigger itself, there's a couple different ways I do the work for around triggers for myself. So I'll share a little bit of my own process and what I, what I do, but there's lots of different ways to explore triggers. The biggest thing is to first recognize that it's probably not for the reason you think. So 
if you can get in underneath it and really follow the feeling, I often follow the feeling down. I go into the body. Where am I feeling it? How does it feel? Where is it located? How dense is it? So I start to explore it and observe it from more the body level. Where am I feeling this anxiety? And what I was feeling was in my heart and in my solar plexus. And it was a big knot and it was a feeling of uneasiness. It was a feeling of um, not good enough. It was a feeling of being judged. There was a lot wrapped up into it. So I started to kind of unravel and unpack it. And I started to actually feel what was really underneath. And again, it wasn't specifically related to the post. And it just brought that to my awareness. So I let go of the post. I had long let go of the post. It was more like, what is the leftover feeling? And I started to get in underneath it. And what I landed on, like the deepest I could go by myself, was the feeling of humiliation. That feeling of humiliation then brought me to playing an ego game of opposites. Now, I've talked about the ego game of opposites a lot. I've actually done a TED talk on the ego game of opposites. So if you search my name and TEDx, and you'll find my TED talk on the ego game of opposites and how I actually discovered this viral programming, this hidden program running in the background that the ego is embedded that we don't even realize is there. And what I discovered is these ego dictionary definitions that are totally upside down and backwards, opposite of what we know those definitions to be in the world or what we think those definitions to be in the world. So for example, for me, when I first discovered it, the word unworthiness, what came in, the definition that came in in my mind, what was programmed, like a virus running in the back of my computer, computer, computer mind, was unworthiness meant humble, kind, caring, in service to others. And of course, unworthiness doesn't mean that in the world, but that's what was programmed in my mind. So what I thought about unworthiness was not what I believed about unworthiness deep down in the subconscious. So the ego actually embeds these crazy ego dictionary definitions in our mind that are totally opposite or backwards or upside down, or just have this crazy definition that makes no sense at the level of the conscious mind. But in the, the subconscious mind, we believe it and we operate based on that. So in the conscious mind, you can have a desire to be abundant, to live abundantly. And if you have a belief or a crazy ego dictionary definition that you're not worthy, or that even when you're trying to attract abundance, it actually has a, a weird ego dictionary definition, it will override your desire. It will override the conscious mind. The subconscious programming and the beliefs that we have programmed back hidden in the mind will override what you're trying to invite into your life or what you're opening your life to. So in order to get to that subconscious programming, I use a game called the ego game of opposites. It's a process that I walk people through. So if you're curious about that, intrigued by that, you can go check out my TED talk. You can find the TEDx talk on, on YouTube. You can come to my website, it's actually the ego game of opposites is included on my heart. Yes. Gift set. If you want to join my heart. Yes. Movement, you can have that for free and you can have access to it. And 
it'll, I'll walk you through step-by-step on how to do the ego game of opposites, how to expose the programming that's in the back of the mind that's hidden from you. That's causing actually most of our self-sabotage, most of our repetitive patterns. And it's actually a big sticking point for people. And I know a lot of people that have done so much work on so many levels, but wouldn't know to look there because it's so cleverly hidden. It's not something that we would think to look for. I certainly didn't think to look for it. It actually discovered it by a fluke. So when I received the download for the Eagle Game of Opposites, I was very surprised by it myself and in awe of just how powerful that programming was influencing all my behaviors and my decisions in such a way that I didn't even realize. So that's the ego game of opposites. So what I was guided to do with the word humiliation, that was my trigger. So all triggers can point you and get you in and underneath it. So I use the ego game of opposites a lot for my triggers. So humiliation came in. So I used the word humiliation. I started going through the ego game of opposites. And what it came down to is humiliation and humble were the two definitions that the ego was using against each other. And the ego was using to keep me in, in anxiety or in fear of judgment of others. So, and this emotional charge, it's interesting because humiliation you would think would be a really dense, intense emotional charge. It used to be, but because I've peeled away the layers around humiliation, it doesn't feel so big anymore. It's actually smaller layers and easier to manage. So I'm actually able to process it a lot quicker than I used to. So I've received kind of guidance around humiliation and humble, and I kind of cleared those ego dictionary definitions. That kind of, but the process kind of puts them in quarantine and then deletes them. And then we create a new program, which is more guided program, more spiritual program, which, is, which the words I got was divine humble. Uh, divinity, no, humble divinity. That's what it was. Humble divinity. And it was a beautiful channeled message from spirit. And I ended up sharing it. I think I shared it on my inner circle member page. The shift that I felt inside was deep and profound. And instantly that layer cleared. So I felt this huge relief. And then I started to look at, okay, what's left over? Is there anything else? And I could feel this density, just this dense layer. So what I did is I softened around it. I was breathing, closing my eyes, aware of it, bringing my awareness in, kind of shining the light of awareness on it. And I softened around it. I asked for anything that doesn't need to be processed to be released. And, it, and some of it cleared. And then I asked any of it that needs to be understood to be brought to my heart to be understood and then released. If there's anything I need to know about it, anything I need to learn or, or have an insight around. And then it shifted more. And then the rest was just this ball that needed to be kind of expressed. So I end up, I felt a little bit of shaking in my body. I felt a couple tears came to my eyes. The tears weren't related to anything specific. I just felt the, the tears rising to my eyes and I let them be. So I let the energetic and emotional expression of the rest of the energy move through me and it all cleared. So now I feel every once in a while something will come in and I feel like a little bump. So I know there's a little bit left over and I'm just 
opening to guidance and seeing when it, you know, continue, continuing to do my work moment to moment. And I feel like I'm pretty much almost there. There's just a tiny little bump left. So how can you process triggers? One, you need to become aware of them first. You need to be aware of your triggers. You need to bring them back in. Stop looking outside and going, okay, that's the problem. And if that will go away, then I'll feel better. Instead of trying to change the outside, look at how do I feel? Where do I feel it? So create awareness around your triggers. Where are you holding them? What does it feel like? What does it look like? Is it ever, just get into the, this, all your senses and explore it. And then create some space to feel the emotions that are left over. Some of them might be related to something that you need to process on a more conscious level. So for example, you might be guided to go and do an ego game of opposites. I know a lot of my clients, they play like they can play like 10 games in a week. Sometimes it's one game here and there, but in the beginning when I was doing it, I, I play, I have a whole journal full of games now, the ego game of opposites. And just recent, I had taken a break. I hadn't been really drawn to them, but just recently I picked it up again and then I just started playing more games to unwind the mind around this and some other things. There are, there is such a huge amount of potential for healing when we come from a place of curiosity, when we are in a place of wonderment, I wonder what I'll discover. I wonder what I'm really upset about. I wonder what's underneath this. And when, when we're willing to actually feel in order to heal. And when we're curious, our mind is wide open. The key is to be open to anything and attached to nothing. And when we're open to anything and attached to nothing, then we create this space to explore what's really underneath. So I'll go more into that a little bit after the break. We're going to take a quick break and we'll talk more about how to meet other people's emotions with more compassion and understanding so that we don't get emotionally charged meeting their emotional charge. So how do you meet other people's emotions? How do you navigate other people's emotions in this emotionally charged world? We'll be right back. This is a clarion call for all healers, intuitives, empaths, light leaders, visionaries, and conscious souls. We are here to usher in deep healing and profound awakenings, to shift our collective consciousness from head to heart, to ignite hearts and unite in love for each other and our planet, to illuminate our path and the path for others. Our heart-led living community is a place to come home and to shine bright as beacons of love from this house of light. Join our Heart Yes movement and experience a sacred healing community of support as you discover how to embody your true heart yes, to hear and trust your intuition as you answer the deepest call of your heart. Take Sue's hand and open your heart to receive the support you need to heal self, be the change, and play your part in the healing of the whole of humanity. Join us at heartledliving.com forward slash become a member. Again, join us at heartledliving.com forward slash become a member.
Welcome back. You're listening to Life by Divine, and I'm your host, Sue Dumay. Today, we've been talking about navigating our own, our, our emotions in an emotionally charged world. And before the break, I was talking about how to process your own emotions, how to look at your own triggers a little differently from a different perspective that will allow you to get in underneath them and start to unravel the rat's nest that quite often they, they come with. Now, the question then becomes, how do you meet other people's emotions? How do you meet other people that are really passionately charged about a topic, that are standing in, in, in their truth so solidly that they're not willing or open to listen to anybody else's perspective? And we can all come to a place of, you know, we have the, the potential to all come to a place to agree to disagree. We don't have to agree on everything. We can actually hold our own opinion, our own idea of something, and have respect for others to have their own opinion. The challenge is when there's a big kind of fight to be right or prove the other wrong, then it becomes like a battlefield. And it's in that battlefield that we can't really, when someone's standing in that fight to be right, we can't convince them otherwise. So it's not about meeting people in their emotions and trying to tell them how they're wrong or convince them to see another perspective. It's just, just meet them there, meet them there and accept that that's where they are. So first step is acceptance, awareness and acceptance. It's okay. It's okay that they're in that place. It's okay that they're feeling so passionate and so solid about something or so attached to a certain belief or so clear about something. It's okay. It's okay. And it's okay that you can, you disagree with them. We can be kind in that. We can come from a place of compassion and understanding. We don't need to change people's minds. Even if we think we know we're right, you don't need to change other people's minds and when they're in that stance when they're in defense and they're ready to attack and they're standing in that i'm right you're wrong or i'm right they're wrong whatever it is we can't change minds there a made-up mind is a closed mind if someone is standing in in that place where they made up their mind and they're right period no if, ands, or buts, no other opinion, no other perspective invited or allowed, then that mind is closed. And your fight to try and convince them or change their mind is going to be an uphill battle and probably an uphill battle that you won't win. I talk about this in, in, my, chap, in my book, Stand Up, Stand Out, Stand Strong, a 30-day guide to navigate life when the shift hits the fan. In that book, there's actually one of the days, one of the chapters is when we fight to be right, we will always feel wrong. When we fight to be right, we will always feel wrong. Because even if you're standing in truth and the other person doesn't believe that truth, even if you know you're right, someone else is always going to see you as wrong. So when we're fighting to be right, we will always feel wrong. When we're standing in a place of, this is my truth, this is the truth I'm holding right now, 
this is the understanding I have in this moment. And in that space, if you're actually open to another perspective, open to hear people's opinions, open to other people's ideas, then that openness means that you're willing to listen, to understand, to have compassion. And you're not in defense. We don't need to fight and defend. Now, even saying that, a choice for love is sometimes it looks like a fierce choice for love. It looks like we're challenging the status quo. It looks like we're standing up. So there's a, a fine line between speaking up because we're guided to and speaking up because we want to convince somebody else to change their mind or we want to convince someone else to change their opinion or their stance or to help people to help someone not be so emotionally charged about something if you coming in with an agenda to change that person then they're going to be in defense especially right now people's defenses are high so when we come from this space of more of a i can stand in my own and you have permission to stand in your own and can we meet in the middle without the battlefield can we meet on neutral ground because even the whole idea of so there's certain perspectives that i hold that i've been shown that i've been guided so i have my human perspective which I really do my best to let go of a lot of times, although my ego comes in and I do have some sticky points. I'm human like everybody else. I do have my sticky points. And I do my best to let go of those sticky points and process those sticky points so that I remain open and neutral. I often step out of my, my human perspective, my human opinion, my human preferences, and shift into an openness it's more of a space of i know nothing about anything when i can bring my mind into that space of i know nothing about anything i think i know but i don't know i know nothing about anything that creates this opening and it allows me to be in this space of neutrality and it allows me to be the compassionate witness for others it allows me to be the compassionate witness toward myself my human self and allows me to see more of a global perspective of what's really going on. That's where I receive these visions and these more of these global perspectives from spirit, from the divine. So I'm actually able to support people because I can step back and look at the big picture, or I can step back and not have my own emotions get in the way of supporting someone else in theirs. Now that's something I've developed over the years. It's not an easy thing for everybody and it's not natural for a lot of people we're not we're definitely not programmed to do that to be that way we're programmed to fix or change or help or support and in an effort to fix what we think is broken nothing's broken we are many of us are disconnected and that's causing a lot of pain and suffering disconnected from our sense of self disconnected from our source disconnected from each other and that causes a lot of pain and suffering. There's a lot of he said, she said, taking sides. That creates separation that causes pain and suffering as well. I talked last week about living oneness, feeling more connected when we're all separating, physically separating, how to stay connected. 
But that living oneness experience is like, you know, in truth, we're all connected to each other. There's not one person you're not connected to. Although you may have a preference. I like to be connected to these people. I like to think I'm one with these people because they're more my peeps or they're more like me or they have similar beliefs or similar ideas. But really, we're at one, we're, we're one with everyone. No one's left out of that equation. We're one with everyone because we're one with the source. We're one with God. One and the same. It's a bit of a mind-blowing kind of concept. On a human level, it's hard to grasp but understand it. When we're in the emotional charge, when we are personally emotionally charged, you need to look at your own emotions first. And when you can come to that place where you process your own, or at least keep yours in check to some degree, allowing yourself to actually meet that person where they're at without needing to change or fight or argue or fix. When you can witness where they are, then you're able to actually meet them where they are. And it won't feel like a battlefield. There'll be times where you'll be guided to speak up and there'll be times where you're guided to bite your tongue. And that's the practice of divine discernment I mentioned earlier. So right now, from September to February, I was clearly guided, even though I didn't, I resisted it sometimes. I didn't really want to be in the battlefield. It was intense. It was probably the most intense situation I went through in a long, long time. But I knew in my heart I was meant to, to be the one to support. There was a couple of us who were considered whistleblowers or whatever we were considered at the time, exposing the truth. And it was the most challenging time for me, but I knew in my heart and I kept checking in because every once in a while I'm like, oh, it'd be so easy to walk away, just quit and walk away. But every time I tuned in, the guidance was hold steady, hold steady. So I did. And I, I walked it all the way to the end as far as I could take it, as far as I was guided to take it. And then it was a letting go. And even in the letting go, there was a real like, Oh, charge every once in a while my mind would go back to it and replay things and oh if I would have only said that oh I should people still really need to know about that there was so much that went on that I couldn't share everything that was going on because it was and it was so unbelievable and mind-boggling the things that they were doing that they could get away with it because people are like no no they wouldn't do that I'm like yeah they did they they are but it was challenging to navigate because it was so emotionally charged for me as well. I did it though. I got through it and I come out the other side of it and I still have leftovers around it. I still have that kind of anxiety around it that I'm processing because it was a very traumatic experience. For me, it was a traumatic experience. I'm highly sensitive. So I could feel a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot more of what was going on behind the scenes, not only just what was happening in that battlefield. So when I could take a step back now and, and look at those people's actions and the decisions they made and the decisions they continue to make, my prayer was really show me how to see them through a lens of love. Show me how to see them through compassionate eyes. 
and help me understand because I couldn't understand how people would do that, how they would take advantage, how they would be so corrupt and so mean and so cruel and so deceiving. So my prayer was really help me understand. And what it comes down to in the world right now is there's two things that are happening. There's a choice for love and a choice for fear. And the shift that really helped me, especially around the situation that I had just gone through, was to see everything as a choice for love and a call for love. So even though it may look like someone's emotionally charged and standing and digging their heels in, I'm right, you're wrong, feeling attack, defense, all of those kinds of things, even though they're in that space, we can witness it from a place of a choice for love or a call for love. So then the question is, how do we meet them with love without compromising ourselves, without putting ourselves at risk or without putting ourselves in the middle of the battlefield and taking the arrows in our back? Because that's not what it's about. And that's really what I've been guided to look at is like, yes, I was very clearly guided to participate in that battlefield down in Turks and Caicos. When I look at everything that's going on now, when it comes to those really hot, emotionally charged topics, especially around the conspiracy and those kinds of things, I'm not guided. I'm not guided to participate in those conversations. So I'll sit back, I'll be the compassionate witness, I'll witness it from a place of, you know, doing my best to understand where everybody's coming from. I understand individuals that don't want to believe certain things. I get it. And I understand those that are fighting to make everybody else believe or understand what's really going on. I get it. I can watch and observe all sides. And at the same time, I may have more insights and perspectives that I'm being shown, the things that are going on that I could see. But even then, I need to release them all into spirit's arms and go, okay, keep me neutral. Allow me to be the individual that can support everyone, no matter where they are, that can meet everyone with compassion and love and understanding. And it doesn't mean that I sit back and do nothing all the time. Maybe next week I'll be guided to be, you know, to spearhead something and I'll be like speaking, you know, on stages about something, even publicly, I don't know what it'll be. But right now, in this moment, I'm guided to not put anything out there and to be the compassionate witness and to share through my radio show and share through my Inner Circle member page and through, share through the Heart Yes Movement group. You can come there and join me on Facebook at the Heart Yes Movement group. There's there's places that I'm guided to share. So if someone came to me in my inner circle on the calls, the live calls we do each week, I do two live calls each week for my inner circle members. If someone came to me and asked me specifically a question around something that was a hot topic, 
I would be guided and deliver the message clearly in that moment for them. In that space, I'm wide open to have any conversation. There's no topic that's out of bounds. But in the social media battlefield right now, I'm not guided to participate. And you may or may not be guided to participate. And if you feel it in your heart that you're not meant to, let that be. And if you feel it in your heart that you are meant to, then there's a divine courage within you that will carry you the same way it carried me through those six months that I needed to stand up against the corruption. It's not easy. It can be intense. It can be some of the biggest, you know, I feel like a big calling. But when we follow our heart, when we trust the guidance, we know it's in service to everyone. So I want to encourage you to follow your heart, to trust your guidance. Let that internal GPS system guide you in every moment of every day. It'll guide you to speak up. It'll guide you to button your lip and bite your tongue. It will direct you in every moment. And you'll know in your heart, if you tune in, what you're meant to do, when you're meant to do it, and how. Everything is given. I love you. I appreciate you. I honor you. And in these emotional, challenging times, I send you such love and waves of compassion. And I just want you to see my hands holding your heart if it ever feels tender or wounded. And just know that you're not alone. We're all in this together. And one way or another, we're going to come out the other end. And I'm holding a vision of us coming out the other side, more united than ever before. I love you. Until next week. Namaste. You've been listening to Life by Divine with your host, Sue DeMay. Shift your consciousness from head to heart and enliven your soul as you discover how to lead with your heart and live your own life by divine. Join Sue in the growing global heart-led living community at heartledliving.com. That is heartledliving.com.